The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from the book of Exodus chapter 9. And I realize that as I read 35 verses, your attention span may fail, so I'm praying that the Lord would use our time in hearing God's Word to keep us attentive to what He has to say to us, knowing that this is a long passage that we're reading today. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time saying, tomorrow the land will do this thing in the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All of the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent And behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead, but the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and let Moses throw them in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt." So they took soot from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it in the air and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and on beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and on your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall such as never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send Get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter, for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast 
and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail. Very heavy hail, such as never been seen in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants... I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out from the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord. And the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured out upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again. And hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord has spoken through Moses. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. Here's a quote I want us to begin thinking about. Sometimes people don't want to hear the truth because they don't want their illusions destroyed. Sometimes people don't want to hear the truth because they don't want their illusions destroyed. I'll share later who penned these words, because if I told you who said this, you might be less likely to agree with it. But do you agree or disagree with that phrase? People don't want to hear the truth because they don't want their illusions destroyed. What are illusions? Illusions are things that are wrongly perceived or interpreted by our senses or by our sin. And illusions, similar to the category of idols, can fall into three camps or categories, usually. The illusion of control, the illusion of comfort, and the illusion of approval. So living under the illusion of control, you might hear the words from the doctor, she's not going to make it, and plug your ears, no, 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 no. The illusion of comfort, you might hear the words from your bank, your house is going into foreclosure, and you go ahead and put on your headphones and mow the lawn. Illusions of approval or illusions of grandeur might hear the words of their spouse from outside the shower saying, you are not a very good singer. And you're in the shower just belting out the lyrics even louder. We continue our walk through the book of Exodus. 
specifically making our way now through these ten plagues, these ten strikes that the Lord is using against Pharaoh to decreate Pharaoh's world and bring strong judgment against all of Pharaoh and the rest of Egypt's illusions. Illusions of control that the world is being held together by Pharaoh and his army of gods. Illusions of comfort that Egypt is set up to be the most powerful and profitable nation in the world. And illusions of grandeur in believing that if anyone goes against Pharaoh's leadership, then kill the messenger rather than hear the message. Pharaoh's hardened heart doesn't want to hear the truth that the Lord is using Moses and Aaron and these mighty ten blows or plagues to speak to him. He wants to remain in illusion and oh, it's going to cost him. And oh, how it costs us as well. Father, would you call to mind our illusions today? Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to hear, Lord. Eyes to see, Lord. And give us hearts to understand. Soften our hearts. Soften the hearts of those you call your own with your grace through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason most of us don't want to hear the truth is because of fear. When our illusions are destroyed, where does this leave us? If those things are taken away, it leaves us weaker and it leaves us vulnerable. It leaves us needy and it leaves us dependent. It leaves us insecure and possibly unprotected. We get afraid. But fear is the place where the Lord begins. Both Proverbs and the Psalms prescribe fear as a beginning point toward truth. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of destroying illusions. And that's what I want to propose this morning. Fear in who God alone is must lead us to a faith in what God alone can do. Fear in who God alone is must lead us to a faith in what God alone can do. I want to structure our time in Exodus 9 around three phrases that I believe a person living under illusion with their fingers in their ears would never say out loud. Things you would never hear Pharaoh say are my three main points. Three statements you'd never hear a hard-hearted person say to the Lord. Even after being confronted with the loudest message of truth imaginable. You would never hear a hard-hearted person say, have me, take me. Never hear that. You'd never hear a hard-hearted person say, heal me, heal me. And you'd never hear a hard-hearted person say, hide me. First, have me. We'll begin with the fifth plague screamed in Pharaoh and our illusioned ears found in verses 1 to 7. And this plague that you see, this plague on the livestock, it's all about possession. Pharaoh is once again given a command by Moses, the representative of God, to hand my people back to me. They belong to me, the Lord says. They are my people. If you continue to live under the illusion that they're yours and not mine, if you continue to keep your chokehold grip on them, 
then everything that you believe in your illusion of control, Pharaoh, that's yours, I'm going to take away. It's only fair. It is only fair. The Lord in the previous plagues, he's been playing slow pitch softball with his little finger. It's the big leagues hardball time now. The full hand of God is on the mound now. Verse 3 says, The hand of the Lord will be on what you believe is what you own, what you have, the land. I'm going to go after the fields, the workhorses, the donkeys, the camels, the cattle, the sheep, the goats. And how does he do that? It's mad cow disease time. I don't know if you remember that back in Great Britain, mad cow disease. When they're all these animals are going crazy with some kind of virus that's going on, that's what's going on here probably. All of these animals are plagued with a disease that's dropping them like the flies that previously consumed them. And this is our modern day, we've got to understand this plague as our modern day equivalent to the stock exchange crashing. As workhorses and mules are diseased and dead, what happens to their labor force? It's gone. As camels die, what happens to their transportation system? It's like airports and interstates are being shut down. As the cattle, the sheep, the goats are dead, what's happened there? The grocery stores are becoming empty. All of these animals, meaning every kind of this livestock, are dying. And the Lord is saying, everything you believed was yours, Pharaoh. It's mine, the Lord says. But Pharaoh's grip tightens even further as he's enraged by the lack of disease that's found in God's people's livestock. Not a one of them have mad cow disease. And he will not have it. He will not say, have your people. And he certainly will not say, have me. Job. Remember the story of Job? He was a man in the scriptures who had everything that was his taken from him. It started with his livestock, then his kids, then his health. And Job, in the midst of a grieving wife who's saying to him, just harden your heart. Just curse God and die so that this can all be over. Give up the illusion of believing everything you had was yours. Job says this in response to everything being taken away. Naked, I came from my mother's womb. And naked, I'm going to return. The Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything Job had was given to him by the hand of the Lord. Good things, even hard things. I remember, I remember praying by the hospital bed of a friend several years ago whose wife was getting ready to deliver an already dead child. And I remember as I held his hand and I held her hand, feeling my friend's wet tears on my hands as we called out to the Lord and said, have us, God. This baby, she's yours. We are yours. Everything is yours. You give and you take away. Have us and have mercy on us, God. 
the Lord is asking us and asking Pharaoh to pray these two words, have me. It's all yours. Second two words, you will never hear a hard heart speak, are these, heal me. Look at verses 8 to 12. And the loudness of the next plague that's confronting and decreating another illusion from Pharaoh. Like the lice we talked about last week. This plague, it doesn't come with a warning to Pharaoh. It just comes. The Lord directs the one who is like God to Pharaoh, Moses, and he directs Aaron to perform this miracle. Take a bunch of handfuls of ash from the industrial park furnace and just throw it into heaven. No longer will only the livestock be diseased so that what will come from this dust, what came from the dust, which was people, will be diseased with a skin ailment. Deuteronomy described the skin ailment as starting with the foot and working its way up to the head. We're not giving the, given the exact diagnosis. It could be mumps, it could be smallpox, but many believe it was probably leprosy, a skin disease that had zero cure. It falls on people and their beasts and their livestock, which raises the question of a cynic who looks at the Scripture. Wait a minute, all of the livestock died in the last plague, it says. Well, if you read the word all as quantity and not quality, but if you read the word all as all types of livestock died, in which the Hebrew can be used that way, it allows us to trust that these plagues are not just manufactured folklore, but true God-given miracles. On every person and beast was this skin disease. And the magicians who were given the task of serving as snake oil physicians who would concoct potions and lotions to bring help and healing. Where are they? <laughs> They're taking a sick day. They're not even able to stand before Moses, verse 11 says. Why? Because their feet are probably so blistered. Pharaoh's illusion of having the power to heal himself, of even his own mortality, it's called into question and the Lord, in verses 15 to 16, even speaks to the truth that the Lord alone is the one in charge of who lives and dies, as he says to Pharaoh, up to this point, I could have taken you out so that you would have perished, but I'm keeping you alive so that you can see with your own eyes and announce with your own mouth who is the one who's able to heal, who's in control, who can give and who can take away. It's not you, Pharaoh. It's me. But Pharaoh, he refuses to listen. Not even, verse 12 says, to his magicians who are lying on the ground and saying, Pharaoh, please just say uncle. And Pharaoh, the most powerful leader in the ancient world, unwilling to cry, heal me, unwilling to admit that he has no power to heal, watches the pandemic of leprosy invade his whole nation. Contrast that with the leper from the gospel. The gospels. Lepers were to keep a safe distance from everyone because their disease was so infectious. They had to wear a bell just to ensure that you knew they were coming and you could run away and get away from them. But one leper in the Gospels had no illusion about his disease and no illusion about Jesus' power to heal. This leper breaks all norms by dropping at Jesus' feet saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, 
in such a loving voice of response to anyone who would come to him saying, heal me, says, I'm willing, be clean. Jesus makes an exchange. Your uncleanness, leper, is going to become mine. And my cleanness, leper, is going to be yours. Healing occurs with the simple and faithful request, heal me. Have me, heal me, and finally, the last two words, you will never hear a hard heart speak, are these, hide me. You see this in verses 13 to 35. We begin a new round of plagues again as Moses meets Pharaoh early in the morning. And this time the plagues have become more personal. Verse 14, the Lord promises, without a release of my people, Pharaoh, the next plagues are going to directly impact you and your household so that he would know there is no one like the Lord in all the earth. Pharaoh is going to be confronted with his humanity, his limitations. Talk about going after Pharaoh's illusions. And instead of the pitching mound being thrown dust in the air, it's going to be coming down from heaven as we see the most severe thunderstorm warning Egypt has ever or would ever see with botchy ball-sized hail coming down from heaven. Better take cover and hide away with this one. And then in verse 20, something we see we haven't seen yet in these plagues. While Pharaoh is dead set on not listening to the word of the Lord, some of his servants are now doing what? They're fearing the word of the Lord. There appears to be some dose of fear making its way into Pharaoh's household. And these servants hide their farmhands and their animals into into Pharaoh's house for shelter. We lived in St. Louis for a few years during seminary. And I have never seen storms like St. Louis can produce. But one of the troubles with their warning system was that their sirens would go off even when a surrounding county was having a storm. So if a storm was like 150 miles away, the sirens would go off. So it would be like a day like today and the sirens would be going off. And it would make you much less likely to heed the warnings that were coming. But this particular siren that went off, it was nighttime. And we heard the sirens, and we're like, oh, here we go again. But we couldn't compare it to the clouds outside because it was night. We couldn't look at the night sky. And so, you know what? Let's play it cautious. Let's hide away in the basement until the sirens stop. And within moments, it sounded like World War II upstairs. As softball-sized hail pummeled our roof. I have never heard anything quite so terrifying to break the illusion that I'm in control of my own little world. And just a few miles away from us, some friends who rented a home during seminary experienced something even more frightening. As they huddled in their basement, the door to their basement flew open and down came, tumbling down, all of their dining room chairs. And they went up an hour later to find that all that was left of their home was their stone fireplace. Gone. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Pharaoh's fear was real here, friends. But it wasn't full. He still had a hiding place. 
I'm sure his palace was able to withstand the blasts of lightning and the hard hail. It's an interesting irony that this hard hail is the same word used to describe Pharaoh's heart, his hard heart. It's like God is pelting his hard heart right at himself. And Pharaoh says, he admits, I'm wrong in verses 27 to 28. I have sinned this time, me and my homies. Pray to the Lord to let up on the storm. But where is Pharaoh hiding, do you see? Is he hiding in the Lord? No. He doesn't pray to the Lord directly. The Lord would respond to that. No. It's always a, hey, could you say a prayer for the man upstairs for me? That's not true faith. We can't hide in the basement of someone else's faith. Pharaoh and Moses both knew there was an insurance policy that Pharaoh was hiding his future in. There's still some crops that are going to be okay. There's still some reserves in the bank, verses 30 to 32 describe, the wheat and the emmer. The fear that came from hearing the thunder and the hail was not a full fear of the face of the Lord, verse 30 says. Pharaoh and his servants, the one who took shelter, truly sinned again by hiding not in the Goshen of God, but in the guarantee of gold. Still not hiding in him. Three prayers, have me, heal me, hide me. Three phrases you will not hear from the heart of heart. Some closing questions I want to ask all of us in response to apply these truths to our Monday through Saturday lives together. Have me. Can God have all of you? Will you die to the illusion that what you have, even your own life, is yours? But instead, offer your life as a sacrifice to the Lord? Or will you remain hardened and sound like the pesty seagulls in Finding Nemo? Mine, 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 mine. Because there is not an ounce of human existence in which Christ does not shout, this is mine. If you refuse to say, have me, you can prepare for a greater plague called hell in which the lives of those who lived for themselves and who live diseased in complete absence and isolation from God here on earth, will live in eternal absence and isolation from the goodness and the grace of Goshen. Goshen is the protected place of those who say, have me, Lord, and hell is the alternative. Have me, Lord, all of me. Those are two simple but really weighty words because we have to give up the illusion of me and mine and trade it for you and yours, Lord. I want you to take an inventory of your week and your time and your money and your words and ask truly, how much of this is the Lord's? How much of my material blessings do I really believe are His? Maybe try giving some of it away or sharing it or you with others and see what happens. Have me. Second, heal me. Friends, can God do the work of repairing your incurable soul? Can he do the work of healing your back-aching body? Healing your mental illness? Healing your relationship with your spouse or a family member? 
Friends, quick magical fixes do nothing to help you stand. The magicians are laying on the ground. Only the atoning blood of Christ can make the unclean sinner a clean saint. Only his spirit who raised Jesus from the dead can bring you back to life. We may be willing, Scripture says, but our flesh is so weak. We have to be like the leper asking, would you be willing to heal me, Jesus? Are you willing to heal me? Help me. Hold me up. It can't be up to me to choose this. You've got to do the work, Jesus. All you ask me to do is trust you that you can. And if you've said that prayer, heal me, be patient, especially in the long term, especially in the seemingly never-ending sufferings, that even if you can't see change, the Lord, he's making all things new. He is healing, even if you can't see it. Finally, hide me. If you're hiding today in the faith of the church around you, you're not safe. If you're hiding today in the traditions of the church around you, you're not safe. If you're hiding today in the prayers of the people around you, you're not safe. Pharaoh, in his death, would finally see the face of God and have a fear like no hailstone could put in him. The face of God, friends, without the grace of God, is terrifying. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even Pharaoh's knee and even Pharaoh's tongue would confess this. For those who hide away in the insurance policy of a religious performance, or of purgatory, or of penance, there's still more wheat in the fields and more time to keep on sinning. The Lord says tomorrow, a storm of God's wrath could wipe you and your shelters away. But if you're hiding in faith in the love of Jesus, which went into the basement depths of our sin and death to bring you out safely, and who raises us up wholly to the highest heaven's height, your fear can be relieved. The face of God is smiling upon his son and because it's smiling upon his son whose love and whose cross and whose resurrection and whose ascension and whose coming again says to us and says to the Lord, have me, Lord, instead of them. Have me, Lord, instead of them. Heal them and disease me, he says. Hide them in the shelter of my wings so that they can see your well-pleased face with me. Jesus is offering, have me to heal you so that I can hide you. The quote at the beginning, people don't want to hear the truth because they don't want to hear their illusions destroyed, was that of a man named Friedrich Nietzsche. The man most famous for coining the phrase what? God is dead. A man who would have it his own way. In 1882, he wrote those words, God is dead. And he said, and who's going to clean up the mess of our killing him? Let's become our own little gods. And not long after that, he was struck with a stroke. He was paralyzed. He went crazy. His mind was taken over. And he died a very, very, very broken man. A man who would have it his own way, who would die his own death, who would hide in his own achievements, 
A man who didn't listen to his own words because he did not want to hear the truth. He didn't want the illusions of being a God himself destroyed. He's a hardened man who has waited to fall into the hands of the living God unprotected. And friends, Hebrews says, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. So I encourage you. Fear in who God alone is must lead us to a faith in what God alone can do. Have us, heal us, and hide us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your son as a deliverer, as our new Moses. <laughs> as our one who would come. Lord, thank you for his willingness to offer himself as a sacrifice. Help us to say, have me. Take all of my life as a sacrifice. I'm yours. Have me. Father, we thank you for the healing that we can found, be found in Jesus and in his blood. And we pray that you would call us to say, heal me. Nothing else can. Help us to put away the false substitute magic healings that we try to find in our lives and call upon you as the great healer and physician of our soul. And finally, Lord, may we hide ourselves in you because tomorrow a judgment is coming. And as the hailstones fall, as a result of all of our sins accumulated, all of our hard hearts accumulated, as that hail falls upon us and we see your wrath and your right judgment over our wrong behaviors, Lord. Help us to find a Goshen, a safe place in Christ's covering. Hide us under his wings, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.